Tonight on the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean, we are discussing Firestarter, a film that does not have fire underneath it, nor really gets us started in a good direction to have fun. To, I don't know what I'm saying. It's nor not a great movie. It started. It's nor not a great movie, but yeah, but we're going to talk about it. We also have a bunch of casting news, including Hunger Games and, uh, oh my gosh, Hayden Panettiere is back in Scream. They're going to kill her off right away. All this and more. Change the game just now. I have a rave. These are the best ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm saying that that's the, that's the commentary that will exist. Oh, baby girl. In a party world. It's wild. Mickey Mouse. Venom. 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 Oh, my God. Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe. He is Sean. This is episode 98 of the Future Criterion Collection podcast. Sean, how are you? We'll be the first podcast in the Criterion Collection. That's when the cri- <laughs> You have to push new boundaries. <laughs> That's when the Criterion Collection goes downhill completely is when podcasts are allowed on it. It's going to be wonderful. It is the future. <laughs> My dog is in the background, as you can see, uh, and we are going to have a fun time today as we broadcast all the wild news that we need to discuss. We haven't had like a normal episode in a couple weeks, so that's more so what this will be today, talking about some of the things that we saw. But Sean, first off, we got the first teaser for Prey, a movie that I feel like has been in development for like 35 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but this is, of course, a Predator prequel of sorts because it's set 300 years ago it is coming to hulu uh in august which is exciting um always makes me nervous when they go to streaming but i don't know i feel like we're kind of we're, we're getting better with the streaming movies so here's here's hoping that this is a quality one um i like this trailer i mean this teaser it's 44 seconds but i was like okay it's different enough it pays homage to like some of the things that you know right away are associated with predator like the tri dots as well as uh the sound and then you see the like invisibility a little bit um, but it's Dan Trachtenberg from Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane. So, you know, pump that into my veins and I am ready to go with it. How about you? My name is Sean Phillips and I know this won't be the case. I know this won't be the case. I'm saying this for the record. Please let this be a movie entirely without dialogue. That would be so cool. I understand that won't be happening, but I just like after this teaser and how great it looked and you look at it as just from an artistic vision and Technically, they're from a time where, you know, like, I don't know, technically, like, you know, words weren't invented yet. So it'll be really interesting to see, like, if they could pull that off. We would have heard about that by now. That would have been a big news thing. It's like, Prey will not have any dialogue. That will be something huge. So it would have been fantastic. I love this teaser. I mean, it's just great. Um, I'm not the biggest Predator guy. I've seen the first one, and I think that's it. Um, But, uh, (laughs) like, I know the lore. I know the mythos. And so just, like seeing this and like seeing like kind of that modern interpretation done in like some sort of suspenseful fashion was very cool. But uh, that's been my one takeaway is like, Oh my God, I love the idea of no dialogue with this. I kind of love that idea too. And I'm just thinking, you know, we don't know much more about it outside of the synopsis that was provided, but why did it go to Hulu? Because these movies usually seem like a, not a surefire thing because the 2018 one didn't do too well, but I mean, they have a following. They're like, I almost said historic enough. Um, They've been around long enough that they're going to get like older generations and be cool enough for younger generations. Maybe 
that's the case that there's no dialogue and they didn't want to take a gamble in theaters so they put it on hulu what i've started to learn and i i don't know how this one worked but i've started to figure out that there isn't just like a couple of guys at a boardroom table saying let's put this one on streaming because we don't think it'll do well let's put this one in theater there are like way more complicated deals happening i don't know if that's the case with this but there's like there could be something more complicated with the reason prey is on hulu and like there's some sort of like crazy contractual signing between the property rights of it where it cannot be seen in a theater it has to be done by this company and therefore has to be done on this streamer i don't know if that's actually legit or not but well, it wasn't originally tagged for Hulu. That happened way after the Fox acquisition from Disney. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I just automatically, I think, or automatically, is that what I wanted to say? <laughs> I honestly think that it comes down to just them having a lot of movies that they need to get out and not having the, uh, the space in theaters to, yep. number one, not go up against other things that are going to destroy it, but two, not cannibalize their other releases. Um, which is a challenge. What I really dig about Trachtenberg too is that um, when it comes down to the two like movies I could really call um, call to arms here, which is Ten Cloverfield Lane and this is he's a franchise director without being a franchise director. He separates himself from the franchise. Now that is mainly because Ten Cloverfield Lane was not a Cloverfield movie when he made it, and then they said, "All right, let's put Cloverfield in the mailbox, and then we'll just like literally like we'll just call it Ten Cloverfield Lane." And then everyone will get really excited for it, thinking it's a sequel when it, it is the, the same thing happened with Cloverfield Paradox. That was also not a Cloverfield movie. And then they just said, let's slap Cloverfield on it. And then, you know, we, with all of this, we'll be able to move it. But still, he separated like he made the sci fi different because in Cloverfield Lane, you're wondering if the monsters exist or not the whole time. Now, unfortunately, because it's called Cloverfield Lane, you know, the monsters exist because of Cloverfield. But his original like uh, idea for that story was going to be, we don't know if there's actually aliens or if John Goodman is just a psychopath or yeah. both. <laughs> both. <laughs> definitely both. Definitely both in that movie. <laughs> um, I'm excited for it. I, it's August 5th. It gets released. So that's something that I'll definitely keep an eye out for. Um, Hulu really starting to pump out some of the good ones this summer. Cause I'm excited for fire Island in June. Right. And then we get that in August and I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but good for them. Good for them. There's a few. I mean, they, they technically they won the first like you know Oscar for a streamer before yeah. Coda did with a uh, Summer of Soul because everyone remembers that that happened. <laughs> but <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. Don't don't bring me back to that. Night. Uh, I, I couldn't help it. I was mad at it myself. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Um, how dare you, Zac Efron? You were playing an actual daddy in a movie that went to streaming. Uh, and uh, also debuted in theaters. I saw it in theaters, I'll be honest with you. Um, I went on Thursday. I, what's interesting with Firestarter is, yes, this is a remake of the 1984 film that starred uh, Drew Barrymore, but what's fascinating with this is I didn't hate it. It's not a terrible movie, but it just is underwhelming in so many ways. It never really takes off, and it's kind of just one note. Um I don't I don't know. I was I was a little frustrated by that because I felt like there could have been so much more. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't quite get to sort of that impactful moment where I left the theater going. Yeah, that was necessary to remake um, there. I mean, the graph, the 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 effects were cool. And I know that they mm -hmm. used a lot of practical effects and stuff, which is neat. Um, and I liked the little actress. I thought that uh, Zac Efron was fine in it. Um, but you know, I feel like they could have done so much more. And the way that they altered the ending a little bit from the original 
just didn't make sense to me at all. <laughs> like I was like, uh, like uh, I guess spoiler alert here, but yeah. she literally, I mean, he, the guy that she walks away with killed his mother or her mother. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'll go with you. I was, well, I was just, I was frustrated by that, but they're, they're, they're trying to drive the point home and they're doing it terribly by the way, but they're, they're like, yeah, they want to do the forgiveness thing or like, you know, you, when you kill bad people, bad people still have like, you know, family and bad people still have uh, like, you know, people there and stuff like that. Meanwhile, like about five minutes earlier, she just like toasted everybody <laughs> else, <in that> factory, <laughs> including a guy that was on the phone saying, yep, they say the first trimester is pretty hard, honey. Don't worry. I'm on the way home and I'm about <laughs> to buy a boat called live forever. And <laughs> just like I, and like, those are the people you spare if you want to like try to drive home that moral. Um, or like with this guy, you I don't know, maybe leave him alone or leave him with like his own guilt, and then you know he'll take care of things himself. But it's instead it was like, oh no, they're gonna like you know they're gonna go together, Firestarter and uh, um, I forget his name in it, but like you know the, the two of them are gonna be like a, a Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. What was and his I, name? A- Arrowhead or something? Rainwater, I think, but that might be the actual name of the uh, actor. Um, but regardless, he like I don't know. I I would have been happier if she would have walked away by herself. I would have been like, all right. Cool, yeah. leave it open. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and just leave him there or something. But it was just a very strange moment there because, you know, yeah, like the guy killed your mom and you're trying to drive home that like forgiveness point there and it just doesn't work at all. None of the villains were really like there for me. Um, I will say like you're you're being kinder to this movie even though you didn't like it. I, I did actually hate this movie uh, for how underwhelming it was. Like it's they, they left out any sort of like important plot points to drive home any sort of emotion. And it was just so discouraging. Every time I'm like – I, I saw – and this is going to be the problem with my other movie that I saw. But like every time I saw them trying to make an emotionally impactful like scene – I said, you're leaving out three other things to make that emotionally impactful. I don't understand any of your powers. I mean, I get it. She makes fire. He controls minds. But also there's like a few different levels of both of them on that, which, I, you know, that's where I could have used some exposition. Instead, they show don't tell feelings. And that's not great. <laughs> Zac Efron, I agree with you. Not bad. You see these like moments of like, you know, this like like an Elizabeth Olsen under rocks, just like, you know, help. Like I, I'm, I have a good performance there. And it's like, yeah, but most of it is just pretty bad. And it's because he doesn't give that anything to work with. I don't even blame him. The whole movie's um, neutered. That's, I mean, I guess oh God. like that just popped into my mind, but like, that's the way I would explain it. It just seems neutered. And it also is one of those movies that feels like there's stuff left on the cutting room floor somewhere mm-hmm. that maybe could have given us more about like why they were brought in or like what this, what is it? Lot six, what lot six was back in the day <laughs> or whatever, you know? I understand that this is an adaptation of a Stephen King novel uh, or story and then the original, and they wanted to take it in like a different way, I guess, and make it a little bit more, uh, I can't even say relevant or timely. Yeah. But I don't know. They could have done something with it. Like I I see this and I'm like, yeah, you could have made this like in a more modern setting, but instead you take out the important things. It also did really want to be, and this is where I have to ask you because I haven't seen the original, but this wanted to be the common trend of prestige horror. And, you know, you, you don't have to be prestige horror. I think prestige horror is, like, a lot of fun. I think, like, cheesy, dumb horror is a lot of fun as well. And I think that this benefited from, like, the 80s version that was sort of, like, the dumb sort of horror movie and stuff. Like, I think that that's what made that one better. Once again, I didn't see that one, so I can't, uh, for the Drew Barrymore version, I can't call attention to it. But it seems like this, when you have this kind of premise, it's a little bit better if it's, like, a little bit more dumb. And uh, or I shouldn't say dumb, but fun, like dumb fun kind of thing. 
Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't even... I don't know that the feel of the movie was much different. It was just a better told story. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't have much to contribute there. It it just it, it it again seems like they maybe were shooting for setting something more up than just this movie because the way that it ends and like all like there could be more coming down the road. I could temp- totally see them like doing a series or something and exploring this character a little bit more. And they're trying to capitalize on the superhero aspect essentially, but it's just, it's not there. Did you, so I got one more question for you. And this is the question I've been asking myself a lot and I still don't have an answer. Did you like John Carpenter's score or did you just like uh, the Halloween score? And it, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, it was just, it didn't seem fresh. It seemed like he took the scraps of whatever he had before. I was just like, <laughs> original. <laughs> it is the only thing that where I said to myself, I'm like, well, I'm enjoying that, but I'm only enjoying that because it's making me think about Halloween. I right. Think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't absolutely thrilled with that. Um, let's talk about some movies that we maybe were thrilled with. The first of, of which I want to talk about is men. Um, men is an absolute wild ride. Uh, and, I, I know you're excited for this one too, right? So excited. Um, so this is the Alex Garland movie. So, you know, you're going to get a wild, uh, wild ride there, but this is a film that stars Jesse Buckley, who was absolutely mesmerizing in this movie. I can't stress enough how much I was just staring at the screen. And I finally realized that I was like, not turning away, not really blinking much. I was just like mesmerized by what she was doing on screen. Uh, Cause she's just an absolutely captivating presence in mm-hmm. the film. Um, it's a, it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. It, um, it, it was a five out of five for me, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's going to be divisive because it takes the story, it, it takes its messaging and buries it in a lot of allegory and metaphors. And, um, you can kind of take out of it what you, what you think it's driving at. Um, and I won't get into much of that, yeah. but you know, it's consider the title and then consider what you see in the film and <laughs> you'll, you'll get the idea of it. Um, I, I, I have heard that um, the move, like from other people, the movie is thinking it's a little bit smarter with its, uh, with its themes. Like it's thinking that they're like burrowing them down when they're a little bit obvious, which I'm okay with, but I don't yeah. know if that's the case. You know, what's funny, Sean, I was thinking about this because I, I, someone was asking me a lot of questions about it recently and um, we'd be pissed off either way. You know, if they were buried too much and not That's everyone was getting them, if they were a little too on the nose, not and they're not like on the nose totally. Um, you still are trying to figure out exactly like what the background is here that led to this interact, these interactions that she's having. Um, but it's, you know, I think we'd be pissed off either way. So. Well, that's what we get with the other Alex Garland movies. I mean, Ex Machina is damn on the nose. And then um, Annihilation. Don't pretend you know what that movie is. Nobody <laughs> knows what that movie is. <laughs> there are no actual messages in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even try. It's it's wild. It, I mean, it's a really... It, and it got me a few times. Like There are some parts in this movie where I was just absolutely like... I had to close my eyes. I was scared. It was, it was wild. You're going to throw up. Like It was just... It was wild. Um, but so that was a really good one. Um, and then two others that I'll touch on real quick, the social embargoes are up and, uh, not the full reviews, but I, uh, had the opportunity to attend the Philadelphia film festivals spring fest this past weekend, uh, which was three days of, um, presenting films that are making waves at the early, uh, festivals, uh, in, you know, throughout the world. Um, and I saw Marcel, the show with shoes on, Woo! and this is touching, charming 
absolutely heartwarming, captivating, all of the different uh, terms that I could use there. It is just, it's hilarious. There's so many funny moments that are just touching. Um, there wasn't a dry eye in the theater at times, and people were busting out laughing at other times. So <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm just absolutely baffled that something like this works as well as it does with Dean Fleischer camp and Jenny slate being the ones that brought this to life. It's just, it's just delightful. Um, I, that's all I can say about it at this point, but I'm so glad that I was able to see it just as I'm so glad I was able to see rescue Rangers, uh, Chippendale rescue Rangers. <laughs> um, all I'll talk about with this, because again, the full review drops tomorrow. It is a really, really, really well done, intelligent, funny movie. I had so much fun with it, was not expecting to, uh, and just absolutely enjoyed every moment of the references and the, you know, uh, the, I, I can't even, like, I don't want to get into it too much because there's so much that pops up in it that's hilarious, but it's just, it's very smart. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about it. Um, so I, I'm excited to see a wider audience get it this week because I, it could have gone really poorly and it, completely went the other way for me to the point where it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year so far, like in terms of a more streamlined movie. Oh my gosh. We didn't stop dunking on it when the trailer came out. I know. Like we, we always do our usual thing. Like maybe it could be good, but we just like dunked on that like the whole time. <laughs> it, I, I uh, yeah. Which is why I was so shocked, <laughs> but um, definitely one to watch. It comes out on Disney plus this Friday. Uh, and highly, highly uh, recommend checking it out. I'm, you know, I'm so excited for what they're going to do next with these characters because growing up, Chip and Dale were two. Of, hello, hi, stop barking. Chip and Dale were two of my fit. That one was me. So. This is my dog. What he does when I'm on a podcast. He's watching the cat get walked. <laughs> no, uh, the stroller's out, so we'll see. Um, the, Chip and Dale growing up were like two of my absolute favorite Disney characters. They were like the fun, jovial, quirky ones that were always getting into trouble and messing around. And that Rescue Rangers, two things, the Rescue Rangers show from back in the day, as well as the Rescue Rangers video game. Do you remember the Rescue Rangers video game? I remember the show. I do not remember the video game. Oh, my God. I, it's so much fun. So it, it's cool to see. You know, they're not even, I wouldn't say they're like mining the depths of their characters because Chip and Dale kind of have always been there. If you go to the parks, they're featured prominently in a lot of the, like every parade and their meet and greets and all that stuff. So I'm glad to see that they're doing something with them that's maybe a little bit more mature than the typical fare you would get. Uh, but it's it, it's just really a blast. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. Sean, you had quite the eclectic weekend here. Yeah, you got all the fun movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, finally. So, so yeah, exactly. Um, so I will say, like, uh, I, I'm putting in co a couple of the old movies. I never really do that, but I always have less movies, so I want to, like, you know, just highlight those. But uh, the only new movie I saw this week was uh, The Survivor, and this uh, this might be the greatest disappointment of the year for me. I'm so upset because I was so excited to see this movie. This is about um, a boxer who has to survive Auschwitz and has to literally like uh, box to survive there and how he handles it after. Um, this movie was a mess. Um, it, the, the flashbacks went back and forth way too fast, creating like no sense of a story. And any sort of emotional payoff is 
like just not even given there. There's a great cast in here. None of them are given the time to breathe except for Ben Foster and Vicky Creeps, um, Craves Creeps. Um, and both of them are great, but it's just really tough to like get anything out of this, which th this is such an impactful, tragic and emotional, like, and even like, God help me, inspirational story that there's something there that could have worked, but instead it just doesn't really work. I mean, like there, there's like these strange things where, you know, the flashbacks uh, to the concentration camp were in black and white. And it's like, dude, you don't need to put him in black and white. We know like that that's where like, well, that's when he's in the concentration camp. It, it's like a horrible setting. You don't need to do that. And I think there's like these artistic liberties that were taken that were just poor. And like, I, I could not like keep, like make sense of this one. Now there's a lot of people that still love this one. Um, there's a lot of people that uh, do not like this one. Like me, um, <laughs> I, uh, Darren hated it. So he gave it nine out of 10. Um, and I, I just think like with uh, um, all, like every part of it is just like really a bummer. Ben Foster is really good. And like, he's like sort of going to probably get an Emmy nomination most likely. And he deserves that, but nothing else about this movie deserves anything, even though it's going to get a television nomination because it's tv movie um because it's on hbo which i still i don't know what a tv movie is anymore because <laughs> he needs um he needs to get better better things to work with i mean mm -hmm. he's he's a really good actor he just hasn't been in anything great yeah but that, that was the one i'm telling you like for like the like about a half a year maybe a year i've been waiting for this one just like wringing my hands so excited um weird to be excited about a movie of this subject matter but i thought it would be very good and just wasn't. yeah um, so the other two are old movies, so I'm just going to quickly do them. Um, but I saw Bridges of Madison County for the first time. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Meryl Streep, directed by Clint Eastwood. This was a movie that threw everyone because this is like, you know, Clint Eastwood's in this movie. It must be like, you know, an intense cowboy western. No, it is a slow, slow, slow romance. Very good, but like this is this this puppy slows right down. He he photographs bridges instead of like you know takes out a six shooter and takes care of bandits. And so it's just truly. <laughs> It's really something where, like, most of the world, like, just got pissed at Clint Eastwood after this. Like, what did you do to us? But uh, it's a great movie of, like, long-lost love. Um, there's, you know, horrible flashbacks in it. Or, excuse me, flash-forwards. The whole thing is in a flashback, so there's the flash-forwards. Kind of like Saving Private Ryan, where they explain the theme and the message. This is their kids reading Meryl Streep's letter, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, maybe she did love the Bridges of Madison County. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't a line in the movie, but might as well have been. Um, and then this was a great movie I saw. Uh, it's a documentary it, it, in 1984. It won uh, the Academy Award for Best Documentary. And that's The Times of Harvey Milk. Um, now, this movie just made me want to watch the movie Milk again. Um, I mean, so that makes it have it done a good, like that causes it to have a good job. Um, but I still really love what this documentary did. It was a very classy documentary where it was just talking heads to footage, talking heads to footage, and then narration from Harvey Firestein, which I didn't think was going to go the way it went, but it was really like actually uh, quite compassionate. Um, but it just shows like Harvey Milk was like both a good politician and a good person, which that balance is straight up impossible these days. Um, and he's able to manage both of those things very well. And, you know, just the shame of the tragedy there. And, uh, Dan White got five years in prison for uh, killing the mayor and Harvey Milk. And yeah, that was an actual thing that happened. So, um, it's it, like that whole thing, like, and that was like a half of the document, not half. That was like uh, the last 30 minutes of the documentary after Harvey's gone. And the, it just like still expresses his impact and stuff. So this is a great documentary. I never knew about it. You know, I only known about the movie and, you know, the movie is still, in my opinion, quite exceptional. Uh, but this was a cool way to look at it uh, from a very informational standpoint. I'm intrigued. 
I am very intrigued. You check that out. Um, that is one of my favorite movies actually of all time. I don't often That's remember so it, but Milk is such a great movie. Um, and uh, what's his name that wrote it? Dustin Lance uh, Black. Black. Yeah. He has a new project coming out, and I'm very excited about it. I uh, forget what it's called. Well, right now he's doing under, under the Banner of Heaven, but that's like coming out every week. Yeah. Um, uh, there's another one besides that. No, that's probably the one I was thinking of. Actually, yeah, there um, could be something else. I know he, he was... he's actually quite a worker. He all the, you see him everywhere all of a sudden. Like he does quite a lot of uh, projects. Yeah, he's. I, I really enjoy him. Um, I do want to share just on my. Uh, my rave about Chippendale that one of the local Philly critics who I uh, disagree with often on his reviews just posted. Uh, it's a total blast. It's kind of like if Shane Black decided to remake who <laughs> framed Roger Rabbit, I went in not expecting much and ended up loving it. So like, listen, it's winning over the hearts of millions. I can't believe this. I, mean... I can't either. I'm completely <laughs> blown away. Like to the point where when I finished it, I sat there like, Am I, how am I feeling today? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, am I just in a mood? Is something, what's going on here? Um, all right. Well, it's time to dive into uh, the news of the week, which we haven't done in quite a bit, but we'll get into some of the fun stuff. And we're going to start with some breaking news. And our new graphics. Uh, <laughs> Hunger Games, the prequel, uh, which is called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, has cast Tom Belafe, who is currently starring in Billy the Kid. And was he in Bridgerton? Why do I believe he was in Bridgerton? I honestly had never heard this guy's name before. So Maybe, maybe I made that part up, but um, I'll double check. But he's going to play the young Cornelius, uh, Cornelius Slow Snow. Man, I can't even talk today. Great time for podcasting. Uh, and uh, it really shows like the early days um i think back when it was the 10th annual hunger games fast approaching um and he was assigned to mentor a girl tribute from the impoverished district 12 um so hey i i'm pretty fascinated by this it's francis lawrence again returning um so he uh did the first four movies because they split this the last one into two obviously as they always do uh and he's back for this so sean you're excited about something there I just I'm looking this guy up and he was in the Gilded Age and I love that's, the Gilded Age. That's what I'm thinking of the Gilded Age. <laughs> oh, that is like very much Bridgerton. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bridgerton with trains. Um, <laughs> oh wow. Okay, so um, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting casting. I don't know how. Like we didn't talk about this movie when it was announced. I don't know how on board I am with this. I mean, do we need a snow origin story? I, I think like you know, are we going to like be like empathetic towards this dude? I don't exactly. Is this going to be like a Joker style thing? I know the novel has already been written, so I know there is already, you know, there, there, there's material there, but that's what was wondering. That's what I was wondering. The novel's out. I've read it. It's really good. Um, and I think a lot of people really enjoyed it. It does a good job of exploring things from a different lens. Um, so, and they announced the movie like right, like <laughs> right after the novel came out, even maybe even before. Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I'm for it. I mean, I, I want them to explore that world a little bit more because it's that dystopian type future where, you know, we're basically put, pitting kids against one another uh, is pretty fascinating and, you know, is a much more serious, I think, than um, than those that would label the Hunger Games as kids books give it credit for. You know, like it's it's a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely, like, I, I de did not crap on it. I think the the last two movies sort of lost their way. I think the last movie especially lost its yeah. way a little bit. Um, 
but I, I heard also the book kind of lost its way. Uh, so um, like she wasn't while she was writing it, she wasn't sure how to end it, which like that, that's how some people are with writing books. I get that. But, you know, that that's not a great sign when that happens. Um, I have heard great things about this book. Um, yeah. So I, I'd be interested. I mean, I've seen all of them. I'm fascinated by the world. Like I'm fascinated where the world could come from. So this would be very interesting to see like this, like, you know, this I don't. I don't want to call it an origin story. I, I want to call it a prequel instead. Like, because yeah, origin sure. story like makes it seem like it's you know he's gonna be like you know it's gonna be a Joker thing where it's like hey we feel bad for President Snow. It's like I don't want to do that. Like I want I want Donald Sutherland to be the evil dude. But, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix is playing. <laughs> if Joaquin Phoenix plays, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> um, I'm very excited to dip back into that world and just as excited to dip into the world of Dune again with Dune Part 2 and the big casting news that we got was that Christopher Walken will play Emperor Shaddam. Uh, he, of course, is joining Austin Butler and Florence Pugh as the most recent additions uh, and the original cast of Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson, and Josh Brolin are all expected to return. This is slated for an October 2023 release nothing more to say for me at least about this than wow that's perfect casting and i love it well this shows that um you know the first dune had this unbelievable cast and you know it was almost to like a stunt casting level and it didn't turn out to be everyone cast was perfect for their roles Mm -hmm. and it was well done and yes they were all famous people but they were cast extremely well and so i have confidence in whatever they're doing here and you know right now they have walking like absolute legend Florence Pugh very popular Austin Butler definitely rising up and will yep. be a name after Elvis I I just I, I think that's gonna absolutely. be happening <laughs> absolutely but, so I I at this point you know it's 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 perfect casting um well I don't know if it's perfect casting because I've never read the book but I'm assuming it's perfect casting and I I'm just happy they're also going for that big time Hollywood cast again because let's face it they gotta go for broke to get that Dune uh, Dune part two best picture Oscar let's go here yeah, of course you would take the awards approach there. <laughs> All I know is that everyone has said, like, you know, because it didn't win, because part one didn't win, we've got to get part two going. Like, let's let's get the, like get that part two push. This is this is Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, eleven Oscars, baby, boom. Oh my god, oh my god. Um, I don't even know what other roles are left to cast, so like who they would go for and stuff. But because I didn't read the book, but bring them in no matter what. Put make new roles. Speaking of Oscars, Scream 6 is aiming for an Oscar by bringing back Hayden Panettiere, fan favorite that people really wanted to see uh, in the last Scream in January. Uh, but she's coming back. She'll be playing Kirby once again. The last we saw her, she was like kind of uh, kind of dying um, after being stabbed uh, at the end of Scream 4. Uh, but she has survived. Uh, if you, This is a little bit of a spoiler, but if you watched the most recent scream or saw the most recent scream you'll see that there's a scene in which they are looking at kind of like youtube videos and stuff and on the right in a suggested uh suggested movie or whatever uh or suggested watch it says interview with survivor kirby blah 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 blah. Uh um so that's kind of a little easter egg for people that uh you know she's still out there and this movie is going to see the surviving characters uh, which is Melissa Barrera as Sam, Jasmine Savoy Brown as Mindy, Mason Gooding as Chad, and Jenna Ortega as Tara, leaving Woodsboro to try to put the past behind them. How Kirby comes back into the mix, I don't know. Courtney Cox is involved, from what I understand. I haven't been able to find the confirmation of it, but I did read another article that also linked Nev Campbell back to it. Uh, I, it would make sense that they're involved in some aspects. I believe that like there's a lot there with what people were thinking about with, like, um nev campbell's character of sydney prescott being married to mark uh who is patrick 
Dempsey's character from the third one. Third one? Yeah, third one. Um, there's like a lot of like intertwining yeah, there. There's there's a lot of rumors because um, you never see her husband and her husband's name is Mark. So there's a lot of people that are trying to figure that out. Um, so I think that there's some interesting ways to bring them back instead of just throwing them back into the mix again. I think the last one did a good job of that too. They weren't the main focus. Um, but Courtney Cox is saying that this is like a really brilliant script, uh, which just has me, I mean, I'm, she's happy for the work, but, um, you know, <laughs> uh, but I'm pumped for this. I uh, bringing her back just shows that the team behind this, like radio silence is the, the, the writer's team. They get it. They understand oh, yeah. like they're fans of it too, which is exactly what I want in a series that I've loved for so long. I, I haven't been as enthusiastic about this return. I mean, first of all, I'm not enthusiastic about a Scream Six. I thought you, like Scream Five was bookended so damn nicely. I, I like, but that you know, I, I got to move on. It made money. They make another <laughs> one. Okay, that's fine. Like that's what it is. That's the world. I get it. Um, this was not like huge news for me. I, I didn't really understand this as like being a big deal. Um, I can't quite remember if uh, Hayden Panettiere was the character that in Scream 4, because I don't remember Scream 4 that well, if she's the one that listed like 100 horror movies. I um, believe she was. Because that's brilliant. And it was like stuff that like nobody heard of before. Like, don't look now was what she said. And it was just like, okay, you know what? That's pretty amazing. I'll, I'll give her that. So that's pretty good. I think that I, I see this story going where, um, you know, if they're all leaving uh, that hometown, um, so have the past uh, victims or pa- excuse me, past survivors. And so because the past survivors have most likely all gotten gotten the hell out of Dodge, um, they're probably going to meet up with them as they're out there. So they're going to meet up with uh, with uh, Courtney and Ned and Hayden. And, you know, the, there'll be a way of them all like uh, spending time out of there. Now, the big thing is like I was talking to you, I think literally yesterday about this. And I just said, well, none of the people that come back ever get killed. And I forgot that. Oh, sorry. Scream 5 spoiler. Um, David Arquette gets killed in Scream 5. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so now th- that was a rule. That was a rule when like, you know, they would return back, like survivors return back. They would never get killed. Sean, your question was, did David Arquette die? And I was like, in the movie or in real life? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> It's a long weekend. <laughs> I was just like, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I can see how that gets misinterpreted. <laughs> I there's a lot that they could do with it. Um, I you know I'm really partial to how they handled Scream Three. I really enjoy Scream Three with kind of like the filming of the um, like on the back lot, I should say, when they're like in California and they're trying to figure all that shit out, and like the brother comes into the pick and they're trying to make stab whatever it is stab three i guess it is at that point um i i would love for them to do something like that i don't know what they're gonna do but i it's got to be something creative to bring past survivors back together or, or together with most recent survivors it's it's wild um and what i really like about that too is with scream four it always kind of felt like it was the one where they were like trying to relaunch Scream uh-huh. and it didn't necessarily take off. And it was Wes Craven's last Scream. And now with this, the most recent one, they've obviously been able to like capitalize on the franchise and they're moving it in a different direction that's, I guess, popular and modern. Um, but they kind of ignored Scream for a little bit, in my opinion. Like they didn't, there weren't re- many overt references. So I'm excited to see sort of how they kind of bring that back into the fold because it's not a bad movie. I, a lot of people love Scream 4. I was kind of just like meh about it. It's such a weird one because I always find it the most forgettable, mm-hmm. even behind Scream 3, which is, you know, I like it. It's a lot of fun, but it's obviously the worst one. And um, 
I, there was something about Scream 4. What do you mean, I, obviously the worst one? I'm pretty close. I mean, what, what do you say is the worst one? I don't know what the worst one. I don't think Scream 3 is the worst one. What do you think? I like Scream 3 better than Scream 2. Hmm. I like Scream 3 better than Scream 4. You like Scream 3? Oh, actually, I don't remember Scream 4, so you got oh, me there. there. There you go. I, so I guess Scream 4, I don't know. Um, Scream 3 has been, okay, I'll say this instead of obviously, has been known as one of the worst ones. Um, I like it, so maybe I don't agree with that, but there, there are people that have like you know said that. Um, that there's my way of saying it. There's people that are saying. Um, I forget what my point was at all. But... <laughs> Scream, oh, but like, four. Scream 4 was like this correction to Scream 3, um, it, if it needed to be corrected. But like Scream 4 was this correction to Scream 3. But at the same time, people were wondering if it was necessary, I think. And so while a lot of people loved it, a lot of people didn't understand the point of it. And so it just kind of like went down this like redundancy alley that was not needed. That, has, that says nothing about the quality. That says more about the audience reception of it. And so that's why nothing happened until 5. Scream 4 tried to do what Scream 5 did successfully. Yeah. And I think that's that's really the how you tell the two apart. Um, they both had the same idea, and maybe time really helped them. Was, what, 11 years in between the two movies? Um, maybe that's something that really helped there. But, um, you know, they also, you found the characters, the main characters, in different circumstances. The first three movies, aside from, like, different pro- uh, promotions, like Dewey was, you know, a different level in the police, uh, police force and stuff. Um, or Gail wrote a new book, like things like that. You didn't have them in different life circumstances, but here you had that to play with, which I really enjoyed. Ugh, man, I uh, I'm excited for it. I'm, excited. I, I'm still I'm welcoming it. I'm st- you know I'm I'm grunting and groaning because I thought five ended well, but I'm I'm welcoming it still. You better fucking welcome it. No, I'm welcoming <laughs> it. It's gonna be fun. Um, I'm also welcoming this news. A sequel to A Simple Favor is in the works with Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively, uh, and Paul Feig returning, which is exciting. Um, the, you haven't seen this movie, the first one, have you? No, it snuck by me. I remember I said to myself, ooh, I gotta get... It's one of those, it was one of those movies where it's like, ooh, I gotta get to the theaters to see this, and then weeks happened, and weeks yeah. happened, and then all of a sudden it just disappeared. It's a lot of fun. I, you need to watch it. That's your homework. Um, yeah, it is really, it's a lot of fun. And uh, Kendrick and Lively are great in it. So the fact that they're coming back for this, I think, is really great. Um, you see my dog laying next to his little, food bowl. Little, little head of a dog. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I'm excited that they're coming back. It's, it's what, is this Paul Figg's first sequel? Uh, of his, of one of, of his, his movies. Films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, aside I from, so, yeah. yeah from Ghostbusters. Exactly. You can't put him on that, but yeah. That, um, I, I think this is it, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I love everyone involved. The first one was twisty and was on the nose with a lot of its humor and hmm. like sarcasm. And it's just silly in a lot of ways, but in a, a way that works for the movie. So I'm excited to see where they go with it. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, I can't say too much about it, but um, I will say it's very fascinating that this got a sequel because A Simple Favor has been loved, but also is not very popular. And I think because a lot of people went through it the same way as me, where it was just like it just slid past like you know the radar, like it slid under the radar for um, a while. So I hope this kind of like you know turns it on like someone like me who's now going to see a simple favor, and therefore I'm going to also see a simple favors. (laughs) Yes, call me Paul. There are a lot of elements to what you just said there. Just like there's a lot of elements to the new Pixar movie that was just announced in summer of 2023. We are getting a Pixar movie called Element. Uh, you can go online and find some concept art for it. 
Uh, but this, I'm sorry, it's called Elemental. But this sounds really fun, actually. To, uh, it is uh, directed by Peter Sohn, who did <laughs> The Good Dinosaur, which isn't going to get a lot of people excited. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but it joins, uh, uh, the tag here, according to Deadline, is that Elemental journeys alongside an unlikely pair, Ember and Wade, in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. The fiery young women and the go-with-the-flow guy are about to, I'm sorry, woman, and the go with the flow guy are about to discover something elemental, how much they actually have in common. Um, hey, <laughs> sign me up. This sounds great. Disney, put it in fucking theaters. Oh, no, it's going to be on Pixar for, uh, or it's going to be on Disney Plus for free. In <laughs> fact, it's going to be like downloaded on everyone's TV, like the YouTube album. Um, <laughs> They're going to leak it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Pixar movie, we're just going to chuck it into the sun. Yeah. Your elemental. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there have been the, like, very very blind comparisons to uh inside uh yeah inside out where it's like oh yeah happiness and sadness are like on a journey together and these two are on a journey and they find out they have a lot together um i'm trying to avoid that like thinking that way just because there's not much we know about it besides that simple premise um i mean all i can think about right now is the marvel elementals which um like i knew that we have talked about and i don't know if a movie's coming out about them but uh you know the elementals are a marvel thing so that like got me um thinking about it um, mainly just the wording of it, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this. It's a, it's a Pixar like move. That's going to be like explored, um, from a rare way. Um, I hope it is not something like, and don't get me wrong. I did like onward quite a bit, but I feel like onward could have explored like the magical realm a little bit more. And instead it was just this beautiful family drama where they just like, I don't know, happen to have pointy ears. And I was like, do some of the more of the magic stuff. Sean, man. <laughs> she just said, I wish they would have explored some of the magical realm, but instead it was just this beautiful family drama. <laughs> I said that in a positive tone. <laughs> it's a beautiful family drama. No, nothing sounds like it's in a positive tone because I'm very tired. So like when I say beautiful family drama, I sound like a dick. Um, no, but, um, like, yeah, like, uh, like, Outward was still a beautiful story, but, like, I wanted to see some of the surroundings explored a little bit more. I wonder what this is going to be with Elemental, like, if you can have that balance. Like, Inside Out has that balance. Beautiful humanity there, and also, like, a lot of, like, fun in the world that they're putting in. Um, I would love to see that in, uh, in this movie. Um, granted, we're going by, like, a small premise and a couple of sketches, so the, the jumping to conclusions, of course, I'm going to do them. I love them, but uh, we don't exactly uh, you know, go all the way with them. I'll give you a little bit more context. Uh, the movie was inspired by the director's childhood in New York. And he said, quote, my parents emigrated from Korea in the early 1970s and built a bustling grocery store in the Bronx. We were among many families who ventured to a new land with hopes and dreams, all of us mixing into one big salad bowl of cultures, languages, and beautiful little neighborhoods. That's what led me to Elemental. Our story is based on the classic elements some elements mix well with each other and some don't. What if these elements were alive? Well, that sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, hey, I'm ready. I'm, let's go. <laughs> they say, what is this? Uh, well, I guess Lightyear is going to theaters. Because uh, Deadline says Pixar, after being sidelined to Disney Plus, with turning red its soul. <laughs> and Luca. No, was Luca Disney or... Luca was, was Disney Plus as well. Uh, that is a Pixar movie. That was though. Pixar, yeah. Yeah. How dare you not mention that? It was nominated for a fucking uh, Oscar. Ugh, idiots. Um, not calling you idiots. Love you, Deadline. Um, all right, let's move on to the next story here. This is kind of weird. We almost got Daniel Craig. And Craig? Craig. It's Craig. 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 
<laughs> um, nice little Veep joke there. Uh, but we almost got uh, him in Doctor Strange and a Multiverse of Madness. Um, he would have played... Let me see. Um, oh, my gosh. I forget. Oh, he would have played... Oh, my God. Mr. Fantastic. Uh, well, so I've seen conflicting reports on this. Some said Mr. Fantastic, and some said this other character that was sort of uh, uh, related to Thor in a way. I'm completely forgetting the name. Um, I did Google it the other day. But uh, I guess the writer is – here's the writer himself saying it on Twitter. Fun fact, Krasinski wasn't the first choice. The actor originally set to play the role was all set to shoot. But when there was an uptick in COVID cases, he backed out as he was living in London and didn't think the quick shoot was worth the risk of bringing back COVID to family. Um, so, hey, that puts Daniel Craig in a positive light because he seemed like an asshole for the last four Bond <laughs> movies. Um, but uh, I like to think that maybe he got COVID so he could get out of this comic book movie. <laughs> He's just like, I don't want to do another franchise, man. <laughs> I would love to see him, though. I don't know who I would like to see him as, but seeing him in Marvel would be a lot of fun. Well, if it was, like, I, I imagined it this whole time that he was playing Mr. Fantastic. That's and if we are looking at, like, the, oh, this is the grizzled Mr. Fantastic that has seen some shit, it does sort of work. However, him with stretchy arms is just so friggin' off. Whoa! <laughs> just just Whoa! this grimacing face that's stretching out arms. There's no Whoa! I can't imagine. I don't think uh, I've ever seen him smile, so like that would be weird, too. No, I mean, he smiled when he gave that Bond speech because he knew he was done with that fucking yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's been a blast. <laughs> it's, it's been great. I'm out! Yeah. Peace! <laughs> um... Yeah, wow. Okay, so that would have been a weird cameo. I'm sure we're going to get more stories like that down the road of like who they were thinking about targeting. I saw a report earlier that one of the uh, original scripts had a Ghost Rider versus Wanda segment, <laughs> which would have been fascinating. What the hell would this movie have been? <laughs> maybe a little bit more entertaining. No, I'm kidding. Um, maybe I'm not kidding. Uh, but speaking of entertaining, one of the best movies of last year was Godzilla vs. Kong, and we are getting updates on the sequel here. Um, Deadline reports that Dan Stevens, who played uh, the title role or the main role in Legion, as well as the Beast, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, he's a beast, um, uh, is going to star in Godzilla vs. Kong's sequel, which is supposed to start production this uh, summer. The director is Adam Wingard, who was uh, the director of the popular film that he was in, The Guest. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. Um, and there's also, I guess, at the same time, they're teasing that there might be a guest uh, sequel as well in the works. So a lot going on there. Um, but I'm kind of I'm intrigued because I like Dan Stevens. I feel like he's kind of one of those actors that just kind of rides like under the radar a lot. But he's pretty solid in the roles that he's in. Uh, and Godzilla versus Kong was a lot of fun. Maybe it was the pandemic that like made it a lot of fun, but I had a blast with it. So I'm excited to see where they take it. The, these movies, the, the Godzilla versus Kong movies, the, the, they are fun. I think my issue with them has constantly been the problem that I'm going to have with this casting news is that the human characters are just so god awful. Now, here's the thing. You're right. Am I am I criticizing the human written characters in Godzilla versus Kong? Yes, I know how much of an idiot I am with that. But wait, <laughs> but, I'm disagreeing with you so much today. 
but the, the problem I have with it is like if you're going to have them be like so one note and so silly joking, even though they're some of the most talented actors, we had Rebecca Hall, we had Brian Tyree Henry, we've had Brian Cranston. I mean, th- there have been like this, like this great amount of them. And if they're going to be used, you got to use them in a campier fashion. And I think in this, they're used like either in these one note jokes that don't work and are a little bit lopsided or they're taken way too seriously. And I think that those two sides, like you have to like find this middle ground, like Rebecca Hall looking over and with dead seriousness saying Kong bows to no one. And I'm like, this is Rebecca Hall you have in your grasp. This is like the most talented actress out there right now. And this is what we're giving her. And you're saying to make them campier. What you're saying to make it more campy for them. I just think like what they're like, what they're given is these like plastic one lines that just don't work. I thought like, completely worked with a Rebecca Hall. I think le- the last one out of all the movies, I think did the best with its human characters. You had the child who was mute and that provided a different angle to the connection with I Kong. Like yeah, and then I you like had her. Rebecca Hall as her guardian slash, what's, was she actually the mother? Um, guardian. guardian. You had Rebecca Hall there. You had Alexander Skarsgård who was kind of like the heavy. Um, and he was the one that was given like the really stupid shit, but like that's what you expect from the, the brawny dude there. Um, I completely disagree on that. Brian Tyree Henry, when he's like, you know, going through like the different like hallways and he's just like, whoa, the floor of this is flatter than the earth. I'm out. And he does like a backflip out of there. And he's just like, I'm like, what, what, what are we doing here with these? It like, was the goofy roll. I, I don't know. Like the goofy roll, like it just didn't, it, I, it wasn't sold. And I, I couldn't believe like, you know, I don't know. I, I know I'm not coming off proper here. I know I'm not coming off proper. I'm bad at debating. But I, I will just say, like, I just think that those human characters have not been given enough of the great lines. And I know you don't look for a good script in one of these movies, but I feel like when you have these great of actors, like when you get these great of casts, you got to give them more. And, you know, I, I just don't think there was much. I mean, you know, one of the best characters, as you said, the, uh, the mute girl that had the connection with Kong. I agree with you. She was awesome, but she also didn't have any terrible lines. That was part of it. I think sometimes we're a little too critical about like the lines and the dialogue and stuff Hmm. in movies like this. And trust me, I understand what, like where I am with that. And I understand that I'm, I'm not looking for like uh, Patty Chayefsky, like I'm, but at the same time, I'm not looking to be annoyed during a Godzilla vs. Kong movie. That's where we got a problem. Like if I'm, if I'm getting annoyed by the dumb dialogue, that's what dumb dialogue is great sometimes. But if I get like frustrated, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Um, (laughs) bullshit take no, i'm kidding <laughs> um let's uh end with this news bit um we have made a uh active um attempt to avoid chatting about the amber heard and johnny depp trial and that's not going to change today but of course people are asking uh, about the next or the future of uh pirates of the caribbean and jerry mm-hmm. Bruckheimer was asked um during i believe it was a maybe an event for top gun um uh, maverick but he was asked about uh, the future development of the films, and there are two scripts in uh, development right now. One of them is a female-led, uh, and he confirmed that they're talking to Margot Robbie. That news actually dropped a while ago. It's coming out today as, like, new shit. Um, but Margot Robbie has been targeted as the lead there. And at this time, there's <clears throat> no involvement by Johnny Depp. I doubt we're going to see Johnny Depp involved in them again. I doubt we're... Um, and it sounds like, did you hear today? Oh, God, fuck. I said I wasn't going to talk about it. But did you hear that, like, Amber Heard pretty much admitted today that um, her time in Aquaman 2 has been drastically cut? That she, like, received a script. It had a lot of, like, here's what here's what you have. She received a revision, and a lot of it was cut down. That 
like I, I, that makes sense. I can see that happening. Like yeah. you know that kind of thing. But also, the Gi- Johnny Depp wasn't going to be in the Pirates movies anyway, and it wasn't because of this stuff. Like it was like he was already out. He didn't want to be in them anymore. And so, like th- that was one of the things. Now you know now that's getting a little bit tossed around here and there, like and whatever, whatever. Like, the, but he has he has on record said that he does not want to be in those movies anymore. And so that's that's why this stuff, like you said, were, this was already announced that that wasn't happening. They asked him during the trial, like, is it, isn't it correct or isn't it right that you would get, if you got paid $300 million or something to do it, that you wouldn't return? And he pretty much was like, yup. <laughs> like, you know, so, I, and I get it. Actors get, they're done with these major franchises yeah. after a while, so um, a little crazy there. Um, but I'm, I, I don't know where they're going to take this series. They're obviously going to continue to try to milk it and develop it into something else, but, uh, or some, like, a different direction that can give them some another six movies or five movies or whatever the last time i saw one was the third one in high school i'm i'm done watching those movies i i, I, I don't need them <laughs> i don't need them you say <laughs> i don't need them um i am just double checking to make sure that there's no news that we're missing because today of course we are recording earlier so before we dive into rants and raves um let's see what we can get there oh i do want to share this as well um that this isn't news but not going quietly which is a wonderful documentary uh focusing on ad barkin um is i saw this at oh my gosh maybe tribeca maybe i don't remember which uh which festival i saw it at talked to the director kind of fell in love with the whole project itself it's on hulu now um so i highly recommend people check it out because it is a marvelous film about a really inspirational figure who uses his um his life circumstances to push change yeah i i mean i that that um the gentleman who's at the center of it is such an inspiration i've like been following him for a while so i'm very excited to see that documentary it's so good it's such a good documentary how it was not nominated for an oscar last year i will was it from last year it was yeah ah damn i thought it was this year Mm -mm. um well, that's that. See you guys. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have a rant or a rave today. Well, whenever I can't think of one, I just think of one of the 18 movie shows or movie shows. Jesus Christ. TV shows <laughs> that I'm watching. Um, and uh, I'm, I want to plug this one for uh, fans of The Wire. Uh, there is a new one out there called We Own This City. Um, it is uh, it is directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, um, who directed King Richard and uh, Joe Bell. Um and it is uh, written by David Simon, who wrote The Wire. Um, it stars uh, John Barenthal, as well as uh, several other character actors that aren't like are, are I'm lost on them right now. My name, but my head's not working. Um, but uh, John Barenthal leads this with like a sensational performance. Um, it's basically about just after the uh, Freddie Gray murder, um, and uh, like there is an investigation on the corruption of cops in Baltimore. Um, I mean, Crub Cops in Baltimore, David Simon really knows his uh, comfort zone. (laughs) But in in this is an unbelievable series that like spans like 17 years. And hey, this is one that jumps back and forth, but does it right. Um, And I really like am blown away. This entire show is people talking in offices or people talking on the cop street or people talking in cop cars. It is like so dialogue heavy, but so dialogue rich. And the way they tell the story is like fascinating. Ronaldo Marcus Green, like who has like directed some great stuff is kind of a top tier direction here where like he's handling scenes and letting these scenes tell the story, which I, I really like haven't seen much like this. It's just so brilliantly like subtle and so like unbelievably amazing. And it's like really just, 
blows me away. It's a limited series. It's truly great. Definitely check it out on HBO Max. I shall check that out. It's actually been on my radar for a little bit, and I wanted to get to it, um, but I just haven't for some reason. I have not watched a lot of TV recently because it's the NHL playoffs and I kind of fall into a hole during the <laughs> NHL playoffs because there's so much hockey going on and it all means something. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but I, I need to watch that. And I may have started Will and Grace over again after just finishing it for the third time. So <laughs> there's so much there's so much new shows out there and you're rewatching stuff. This is what but I tell like Sam. <laughs> so much of the shit out there is thought provoking and uh, <laughs> and deeper. And I don't want that. I don't want thought provoking right now. I need stupid shit that I can lay in bed and giggle every couple minutes and be like, <laughs> and still fall asleep. Uh, I don't want to dive into the corruption of, you know, police in Baltimore this as is, I'm uh, trying to wilt away to sleep. This is comedy um, that came out called uh, the baby, which is like a horror comedy that uh, reflects the uh, societal difficulties of uh, having a baby in this day and age. Oh wait, that goes back to, <laughs> I forgot that. I thought it was just funny for a second, but it's, <laughs> well, it's wait, I'm sorry. Is that uh, the, the formula not being, oh, no. <laughs> they could link it. <laughs> yeah. Art imitates life. Um, oh God. One other piece of news that broke today is that uh, there was an, a, a Daria spinoff series. Daria is that animated show from MT tv back in the day um there's a spinoff series called jody that had tracy ellis ross uh and william jackson harper and alex moffat uh and so many people attached uh, dulce sloan so many people attached to it um and they announced today that it's actually going to be a movie now <laughs> which i also love just, we're gonna make a what? series uh jk now it's gonna be a movie <laughs> just what is it gonna so it's gonna be live action or is it gonna be animated it's animated Okay, I was gonna say, wow, that that's impressive. Uh, animated film, res- rather than a full series, yeah. Wow, um, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I remember all I remember is Daria going with the uh, volleyball. Do you remember <laughs> that? Where she just stand there and like put her hand out. I never watched Daria, and it was pretty much just because, like, whenever I would see like an image of it, I was I just like would immediately think. Yeah, that's too that's too mature for me. <laughs> just immediately, for some reason, it's just like this looks like it's too intellectual. I can't handle this. It's yeah. too intellectual. Um, I don't have a rant or a rave. I'm gonna I'm gonna forego it this week. How's that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. Does that sound wonderful to us? I think it sounds wonderful to us. Um, all right. The this week we have a couple movies coming out. Nothing absolutely major. Uh, but those who are fans of Downton Abbey uh, have Downton Abbey, a new era hitting this week. Chippendale Rescue Rangers is going to hit Disney Plus and Men Hits Limited Theaters this week as well. So lots of stuff coming down the road. Um, what did, What's on your radar for this weekend? I think it's, well, I mean, now Chippendale, um, but uh, probably going to catch Men on Thursday. Well, there we go. There's the sentence. Um <laughs> And uh, I mean, I don't know the Downton Abbey thing. I never watched the show, but I watched the first movie with my mom. So maybe if she wants to go back to the theaters, I'll uh, go with her. But that, that would be the only reason that gets me going there. Um, as a little bit of a uh, promo for next week, please tune in when Sean and I are fighting over Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Um, you I don't am, know that I, I am ready. Like I will burn this fucker to the ground. <laughs> oh, God, if I don't like it, then I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> burn it to the ground. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, also feel free to join our Patreon. It's currently $2, a lot of fun. We just put up a wonderful chat with uh, Austin Burke, the Birkinator, uh, discussing Moon Knight, the ins and outs of it. Uh, and I've also gotten my YouTube going a little bit with a nice plan for what the uh, 
what I'm going to be doing. You'll, you can expect a new video each week and trailer reactions as they pop up. Um, but I am going to be focusing on top threes. So my videos are all going to be top threes. Uh, and the first one out is the top three failures of Doctor Strange and a Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely going to draw some like friendly, friendly comments from that one. Yeah, very excited for it. I uh, give the people what they want is basically uh, how I operate here at Guy at the Movies. Um, but also keep an eye out on uh, GuyAtTheMovies.com as well as the Guy at the Movies uh, socials because it is getting into a heavy, heavy, heavy season of uh, festivals with Tribeca coming up as well as Bentonville Film Festival. Um, I realized that Bentonville Film Festival was where I saw Coda last year. Oh, really? Uh -huh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for that. Very, very excited. Um, I didn't see as many films this weekend at uh, Spring Fest as I usually would like to. Um, I just, it's tough in three days to try to pack in as many as possible, you know? Um, yeah. and a lot of the big films that were there, I'd already seen. So it kind of was like, like Cha-Cha Real Smooth debuted, yeah. um, which is delightful. <laughs> um, what else was there? 892 was there, which is the John Boyega film. Oh, these were a lot of, so these were basically like kind of a lot of the repeats of the Sundance Film Fest. Yeah. So they take like, what were the big hits or the ones that were making waves at other festivals and try to bring them in. Uh, Marcel, Mar Marcel, the show with shoes on was a big one at South by Southwest. Um, and then there's some like they want to you know diversify it a little bit with some international films as well. I watched the new uh, Claire Denis film. Um, oh, how was that? I heard mixed. I wasn't thrilled with it. Um, it's it's done well. It's in French. It's the guy from uh, Titan or Titan. I did hear that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that guy. Um <laughs> But I got to tell you, like, it's so it's basically is just about a uh, love triangle, but you don't care about the people. And when you don't care about the people, uh -huh. it's kind of like it's sluggish and it never really gets going. Um, it was it was kind of it was I was yawning a lot. I was kind of bored with it, uh, mm -hmm. which was no fun. Two others I saw there. I saw Pretty Problems. Um, Pretty Problems is basically <laughs> the premise is really fun. Um, the premise, the premise of it is that this younger, this couple that's kind of like struggling, the guy like lost his job and he's in kind of a rut. The woman wants to be a designer, but she's, um, working, selling, uh, other designer clothes, like not her own that she designed. She meets this like really bougie, uh, rich girl and gets invited for a weekend of like shenanigans. So it's kind of like a fish out of water type thing. Um, it's funny. It honestly got obnoxious after a while. Um, that's that was my knock on it. It like almost felt like it was going to be a bridesmaids type film in a lot of ways. Um, but then I was just kind of tired of the people. <laughs> um, so, and the, what's the other one I saw? Um, uh, Both sides of the blade was the Claire Denis film. Um, and the first one I saw was, um, Oh, the Phantom of the open uh, with Mark Rylance. Oh yes. Um, really, really good movie. Um, it's, it wasn't, I didn't love it only because I kind of felt a little like the story is fine. It's based on a true story. Um, but Mark Rylance is just delightful in everything he does. I think they so see, it, see it for his performance. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, so it's, this is the best part about film festivals, right? Because you get so many opportunities to see different types of movies that aren't always going to be mainstream. Um, you know, we're seeing right now on the news today on deadline, if you're following it, at all uh some of the movies that are premiering at con or that are uh going mm -hmm. to tribeca are starting to get picked up already um ahead of their premieres or ahead of their uh their showings <clears throat> so that's 
that's what's cool about this because it kind of charts what's coming out for the next year or so. Um, so we're getting into that season. So enjoy that. Sean, very excited. When do, very you, move excited. In, when do you move into your home? Uh, June, uh, June 17th. So we're just sort of like slowly moving things in and messing with stuff in there. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a hell of a month. A hell of a month. <laughs> Out of control. But good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> exciting. Exciting times. Exciting times all around. Um, guys, we thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will see you next week. Bye. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.